This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Law Abiding Citizen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the shelled, spelled, gelled, quite compelled, and forever unsmelled. Justin Waddell, what's up, sir? How you doing? Oh, man. Just got back from bowling. Nice. Doing a little bowling tonight. Any Sailor's Tooth action? No Sailor's Tooth. <laughs> what was this? I remember the Sailor's Tooth, sort of, from Wii Bowling, right? Yeah, that's when you'd have it where you had a big gap between pins. Okay, so that was uh, that's where that came from. Yeah. So the seven ten split. We re- right. You re- you renamed the Sailor's Tooth. Right. Okay, and we thought it was very funny. I just remember my wee my wee bowling character was uh what was his name? But KV. KV. And he was very creepy. He's short. He had long hair, glasses. Yeah, <laughs> he looked uh, like a pervert. If the bowling shoe fits. Back back in the days of wee bowling, they never have matched it. It was great. Every Nintendo system since has tried to have that, and it never has. Now, I know they put something out recently for the Switch that has bowling. It has that sort of thing going on. Is it like just basically a repurposed version of the, of the Wii Bowling? But it doesn't have that zeitgeist shit, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the Switch is no longer a motion. Like That was the big thing about the Switch, right? It was like, you, well, I guess it was use the controllers to bowl. Yeah, like, do they do that in the Switch? I guess they kind of could. Yeah, you have your with your Joy-Con yeah. up in your paws. <laughs> I mean, I have the Switch. I guess I just don't play games that require that kind of stuff. That's a good name for an adult film convention, right? The Joy-Con. Yeah. I mean, I think we could all use a Joy-Con in our life. I mean, it's depressing, depressing times. It's Didi's sister, right? Life is a Joy-Con. You know what I'm talking about? Didi Pfeiffer. Didi Con. Didi Con. Who's Didi Con? Joy's Joy-Con sister. Right. Diddy Khan was Frenchy and Greece, man. Come on. I don't. I, I remember. Just barely remember. You zoomed in. Love me some Diddy Khan. Also, um, Donkey Kong's nephew, right? Yeah, I Keep killed the, it. Keeping the Nintendo <laughs> theme going. Nice link. Oh, Nintendo. There you go. Another Nintendo ref. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Dark. Why couldn't Vanessa Kirby be in this? Been perfect. I slipped one in there. You didn't hear it. Dark. Perfect. Perf- perfect. Dark. Isn't that N- old N sixty four in a head? And it had that extra chip in it to give it some more zuts, the <laughs> FX chip or whatever. I played it. I, I love. I like that game. I love that game, and I also love Goldeneye. Of course, that's the classic. That's the one everybody remembers. But Perfect Dark nope. was hot on the heels of Goldeneye. Perfect Dark was a big turd comparative, comparatively to me. 
You didn't like it, huh? Uh-uh. No. Hmm. Well, I did. And it was weird because the marketing was so perfect. You want to be inside a redhead? I don't remember anything about it. I just the one thing I do remember about there was a scene where you're in a building and there's a there's a helicopter shooting at you through the windows and stuff, and you have to perfect dark your way through the hallways, right, and through the offices to get to escape the the bullet shreds. Yeah, I was a big N64 fan. Is that was that an N64 game? It was. Yeah, right? it was. The thing is, the, all those games had such a muted color palette. Mm-hmm. That dark was far from perfect in that system. What was the big game that everybody loved? What's the horror game that everybody loved? I never played it. I can't remember. There's a game I always meant to play. I have it, and I never played it, but that's it. everybody rec- recalls it very fondly from that system. There's time travel involved. I think there's horror elements. Night Trap? That's it. No. That system, people have a lot of nostalgia for it, but that was the worst controller. The response on that, that machine, I just, there was some off. Oh, off. I, lo- I loved it. You didn't, you didn't like Turok? I was a huge Turok fan. Really? Oh, yeah. I love Turok, but <laughs> Turok was one of those characters that never really, really took off. Eternal Darkness is the game I'm thinking of. Son of Stone, Turok. Let me zoom in. Is he? Is it? Yeah, is that it was, true? Yeah, there was a comic called Turok, Son of Stone, and I assume his dad's name was Stone. So, but yeah, Turok was like a, it's like he's like a caveman or something. He was like a and he, Turok, he's a hunter, and he was just he, I think he's one of those. Uh, franchise leads that no one really remembers, right? They had a series of games. But it's all based on a comic book. Is it really? Yeah. He was like a Kazar type of character mm-hmm. and jungle booky kind of guy. I feel like that's it's a it's due time. It's about time to dip back into the Turok verse. Let's get a new game going, guys. Who do I need to call? Somebody you know? uh who gives a fuck about a useless franchise from the past. I mean, I, I got the rumble pack to add to my controller for that game. Remember the Rumble Pack? Of course they do. It vibrated. It did. Nightmare. Nintendo, man, they threw some gimmicks at us, didn't they? We fell. Power Glove? Yeah, they always do gimmicks, but they, they hit them out of the park a lot of the times. The so, robot from Gyromite? I don't know. First Nintendo system came out. If you bought the deluxe system, it came with a game called Gyromite slash Duck Hunt. It came with the light gun, but it also came with a robot that was highly ineffectual. Still, they tried, didn't they? They really did. You had it. Of course. I think I'd have using that robot as a villain in Star Wars or something. Use it with my action figures because it was not used by Nintendo. That's for sure. You're not a fan of Nintendo sometimes, it sounds like. I'm a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan, but I love them. I love them. It always felt like a kid's machine compared to grown men machines like Xbox and PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Sega Master. I've owned just about everything they've done except for the Wii U or whatever that thing's called. Mind if I throw in a a rebuttal in? Two words. Perfect Dark. The world done passed that by, Justin. Man, I can't wait for the sequel. What's going on with you, sir? Tommy Cruz had his biggest opening ever this week. Tell me, I didn't, I didn't read, I didn't read how much he made. 123 123 mils. Oh, they're thinking 150. So it fell short a little bit. Still great. 123. I think that was the number. Almost twice what his record was, if not more than twice. The true, one of the true, last true blockbuster movie stars. Zoom in, Tommy Cruz. Um, who else is up there? Who else can do that? Richard Jenkins. <laughs> End of list. You see our, uh, the beloved Ray Liotta passed away. Sad man. And James Kahn was recalling, uh, Ray Liotta on Twitter. You know, James Kahn, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. I don't. 
when I don't follow him on Twitter either, but I see him retweeted. And what he does usually on Twitter is he'll he'll do something. He'll 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 do something like post a picture from his movies or something, and he'll say end of tweet. That's what he says at the end, right? So anyway, he posted a memory of Ray Liotta, and then in the comments somebody wrote end of tweet question mark. And he goes, "There's no because this isn't the time, you rat." Are you kidding? <laughs> call him a rat, which I think is incredible. What an incredible thing to call like. And that person's feelings are probably hurt because they were just, you know, they're all in on James Caan, but he had no time. I just like love that tight shirt, stuffy chested, hard man. James Caan has a Twitter handle. I don't know what it is. The real, the real James Caan, maybe the real DD Caan. Any relation between those two? Does Scott Caan have a Twitter? I mean, no way. This world isn't good enough for that. Is he? He's got to have an Instagram, I imagine, but I bet he's not on Twitter. You know, another barrel chested, three foot tall, pyramid headed genius. I mean, when you got when you got a beautiful bod but nothing going on in the brain, you go straight to Instagram, and that's where Scott Kahn curled himself up. Can I real tight? Can I go out on a super limb? Mm-hmm. I love Scott Kahn. I didn't criticize him. I just said he was dumb as hell, but he's beautiful. You know, I love him so much. You know, he's dumb. I mean, let's just we can agree to we can agree on something today. My man's dumb. <laughs> he's James. He's James Kahn's kid. The mother might have been a brilliant. No way could have been because slept with James Caan. No, look, I can't even hate. I like James Caan. James Caan, like he didn't he keep himself pretty physically fit. Like he did a lot of like jujitsu and stuff. Remember, like he was all into the. Also like, known for being a real sweetheart on the set. I didn't know this. Was he? Is he hard to work with? Yeah. Here's one thing. I don't know who the mother is. I, here's one thing I could tell you about her. Hmm. Not tall. I'm gonna guarantee she ain't tall. I, I know one thing about her because she's they're divorced. I know one thing about her. What? Ex-con. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let me sip my coffee after that one. <sighs> Spilling tea about James Con's love life. Yeah, he's, he's got to have multiple ex-wives. That's why he's got at least five kids. Been married four times, it looks like. Divorced. Last time he was divorced, 2017. His, his toast was too cooked. He uh, last was married to Linda Stokes. We all know her. Mm-hmm. She's a hairdresser. Linda, Linda Stokes in this. She's like, I can get your curls back. He's like, let's marry. Who knows? And it doesn't matter. But, but, but who's the mother of, of Scott? Yeah, it's hard to zoom in this hard. I would say he's probably about 40. Yeah, you're right. So look, do the math. Find the find the gem. Right, work it me, back. Give me, give me a second. Scott Kahn. We're going to Wikipedia. Scott Kahn. 45 years old, uh, young, by the way. Parents, Sheila Ryan was his mommy. I like Sheila Ryan a lot. You like her? Yeah, she's huge. She might have been an actress. Maybe that's how they met on set. There was an um, actress. Oh, they're all dead. All the ones that are dead. She did pass yep. away. She's super dead. She was in Roadhouse. Who? The wife, Sheila Ryan. She was in The Man Who Loved Women with Burt Reynolds. So she uh, she did it. She she made Scott. Died of cancer. She died at 60. You know, it's interesting. Like, I love, like, I'm having fun. I'm, I'm laughing. This is a good time. Like, making fun of James Caan. Making fun of Scott Caan. And Nick's like, let me hit you with the details of the tragedy in their lives. Just real quick, Justin, let me bring you back down to earth. I do appreciate it. Nick. That wasn't my goal. It was not my now, goal. You just scored the final blow. I appreciate it. Uh, anything else you can tell me about this horrible thing that happened before we move on? She was a Playboy model. Are you are you seriously still serving up details on her? Yeah, I'm sure she was. Maybe that's how she meddled. It was Jimmy Kahn. Was he, was he like a frequenter of Hugh Hefner's mansion? Also dated Elvi. She dated, El- dated Elvis and James Caan, huh? Yeah. 
Elvis, man, got, you know, he's got that new movie coming out. We talked a little bit about it last time, but got reviewed in con. It looked like everybody kind of dug it in the audience, but the reviews are kind of brutal. Got the standing O, but then the critics were like, mm, you know, it's... Meanwhile, I'm watching this uh, Making of the Godfather show, and all I can think about when I'm watching it is how much Miles Teller looks like Elvis. Really? Yeah. Was he up? He was up for it, I think. He was up for the oh, role. Wait. No, he wasn't. I think he was. There's a no. bunch of people were up for that role, yeah. He looks like him. The guy that they hired doesn't. The guy that they hired is handsome. I think that was the requirement. You think that Miles Teller looks like the king. He also looks like Anthony Edwards and Top Gun. Like when he, in Top Gun, he looks like he does look like Anthony Edwards' son. Maybe because they gave him the same facial hair and they put up the same Hawaiian shirts on him. Maybe that's all it took. It helps. It helps. But yeah. behind the scenes, they were also remarking how much he did look like Anthony Edwards when they presented him to the studio. It was uh, it was remarked that he evoked legendary actor anthony edwards did uh miles teller then get mad and trash the room when they said that How it dare just gives you me hope me. just gives me hope man yeah that means we can, yeah we might see a sequel to gotcha or fraternity vacation or you know maybe get a sequel to zodiac anthony edwards 2.0 miles teller you know yeah that'd be awesome if he did legacy sequels to all of anthony edwards early work i'd be all over or, it. yeah you say revenge of the nerds yeah, yeah revenge of the nerds right i bet miles teller would not even read the script to revenge of the nerds like he would like no i'll pass he's too cool for that you know he is he's a little isn't he kind of known to be a little bit of a, a dick yeah yeah but i'm a, becoming a big fan well it's all it takes if the person's a complete jerk nick's on board oh he he's an asshole let me uh learn to love him i care about the work <laughs> well i, I assume mean. they're all bad people i just i, I care I, I can't know i can only know the work and the work Carrie's not Carrie Snodgrass is supposed to be incredible, like an incredible person. So still out there? I think she is still out there. I mean, that's why I, that's why you see me talking about Army Hammer on the regular. The work speaks for itself. Speaking of perfect dark, Jesus, Army Hammer. Do you, when do you think the window the window elapses and he's done his time and he can be on my silver screens again? It's gonna be a while. You think so? You don't yeah. think he's coming back, huh? It's gonna be a while. I wonder if they can do like an an Expendables type movie with all these like horrific actors oh, i think somebody's working on a network just for those people <laughs> that's right that's right trump is doing uh <laughs> he's doing a canceled canceled network is he gonna invite kevin spacey to to lead a show one get, would have to think we get fab funk to write it <laughs> so you get army hammer on there who's Crystal that one Leah. guy Chris yeah, Lee. who's the, who's Kevin that one Space. actor robert the cat the creepy guys in twin peaks he's he was in a lot of stuff and he's like a complete piece of shit too, Robert. But he never got punished for it. I think he still works. Uh, I'll let you know. You keep, you keep get, talking. You get, you get Michael Jace in there. What happened to him? What did he do? He killed his wife. Is he in jail? Yeah, he, he was about to become a Hollywood legend because of his work on The Shield as the seventh billed police person. Then he decided to murder his wife. Obviously, murder his wife. I didn't even. I don't even know what you're talking about. Stabbed her to death. I think the to death part was probably redundant. Right. You don't stab people to life. I wish you could. I've been there. Just give me a second. Michael Robert, ne Robert Nepper in this. <laughs> Robert Nepper. He's the guy that yeah, like, apparently abused a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. He was on and that escape that prison break thing. Yeah. He's still working. They still. He's still super hireable. Like they. He got me tooed and dodged sort of. Like he and it was damning. But he. But they're like. But Hollywood said no. Not so fast. There's no way we can lose Nepper. 
We can't lose his talent. You can't get Look, away. You can get rid of Depp, Spacey, Hammer, not Nepper. That's no. a bridge too far. Right. And so then, then the Me Too movement said, we'll give you it. We'll give you Nepper. All right. He's just an unforgettable performance after the next. I bumped into Jodie Foster when we were picketing. Nope to Nep. We, we both had similar signs. Try to keep him in the eye. You know, nope to Nep. Got to mm. keep him Got to keep him working. We got to have those weird lidless doll's eyes on the screen. You know? Is he too, maybe is he too obscure to get Me Too'd or something? I, I mean, he should not work. He should not, after what came out against him, he should not be able to work anymore. But he's still, he's still doing it. He's still out there. You got to make an egg to break some omelets. I mean, he, he, you know, he's fine. He's got a good name. I do like Robert Nepper, Bobby Nepper. You were, you were complimenting him, right? Like the other day, you were just saying how great he was. Yeah. Nepper Say Nepper again was another one that she had, the Jodie Foster. <laughs> well, they did and investigate it, I guess. Maybe he got found no wrongdoing. I, I don't know. They Who knows? Maybe he's innocent. I, I didn't know he was on Twitter. Like he was. Him and Jim Belushi were in uh, scenes together in that show. Was it the sequel one or the original? It was the Twin Peaks The Return, the sequel. Okay. Okay. That's mm. why. So, know. look, I haven't done my work on this. Maybe he... Maybe something happened. I don't know, but it looks like he was exonerated or sent again. Well, you're, you're about to God's ears. Got to keep him around. I mean, he got a lot. I mean, there's a lot of allegations against him. It's, to me, it seems like if there's more than one, I mean, where there's smoke, even if there's one, he's my man is fuck him. But I'll just say it. He's a piece of shit. I don't think we've done a Nepper film yet on the show, which is unfortunate. We'll get there. We can't go forever without bumping it's done a lot of movies i mean what movies is this? It's, he's in plenty know. he's in plenty i touched on ray Liotta's death it was great i watched out of boredom i watched unforgettable this weekend linda fior yeah linda fiorentino in there um you got a bunch you got a cast of of of, of dozens in this movie but somebody um, who directed that was that john Dahl? john Dahl directed you remember wow yeah linda fiorentino how um, do you how do you not do a chucky movie by the way Peter Coyote in this uh, turns out I don't Peter Coyote the killer. Let's zoom in. Okay. Anyway, it's a very it's a very not good movie, but Leota's good, and Leota was always good. You know, everybody's kind of flocking to uh, Goodfellas with with good reason because he, he's so fantastic in that movie. But I think Leota really didn't turn in a lot of bad performances, even was, in bad movies. He was lovely in Copland. He was lovely in Narc, Killing Them Softly. Narc. He's always good to see. I, I, on Twitter, I, I, I said that a movie that people, a lot of people probably haven't seen is this movie called Heartbreakers with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Sigourney Weaver and is... Sigourney the, Weaver as well. She's the best in that. It's not a bad movie, Luke Wilson as well, but... He's, he's sort of a comedic, hilarious yeah, he's a comedic yeah. character in that. He's hilarious in it, and Hackman's in it too. Gene Hackman, in a very strange role for him, is in that, playing a, um, a very like wealthy, like... Uh, cigarette smoking, chain smoking, like just wheezing, you know, target of of these Black Widow type characters. But anyway, that's that's a fun one to watch. And then, of course, people brought up um, Unlawful Entry, saying how good he was in that, which is a movie we have teased and talked about doing here. I saw three different folks talk about Karina Karina as well. Him and Whoopi. Yeah, they, people say that movie is very sweet. I don't think I've ever seen it. I saw it in the movie theater, which is astounding that I... Did, that. did you like it? I don't think I hated it. Who was the girl? Who was the young girl on it? I don't remember. She she was somebody though. She was she wasn't the girl from Matilda. It's not Tina Ma- Ma- Majorino. Is she? I don't. Maybe it was. Yeah. I hope I don't have that right. By the way, Tina Majorino. I'm sure she's a great actress, but she looked like she was a full like like orphan a little bit, like full grown old young. <sighs> Let me sigh very loudly that she was in that movie. She also in Napoleon Dynamite, by the way. Ugh. 
Don't don't hate that movie. Go I ahead. Let's, movie, I know you do. Look, guys, it's the movie Microscope. We've been greasing the wheels for a few minutes now, getting you guys all amped up talking about cellular and sil- silver screen and, and just throwing vast knowledge dumps onto you. So let's get down, man. It's a show where we fucking zoom in. You know, we shred the scales off fish. We fucking pin the tail on the honky. Preach life, man. We preach life to the truth tellers. Hand it under. Fucking eat the ass out of a mandrake. We come out. Move hair back to front. Get manure. Stick a mugwump out. Touch our chest with magnificence, hoping that the nipples will burst amethyst once again. Watch a film through skeptic, sand-washed eyes and just scratch out on the sandpaper tongue of America. Decide what makes or break. Share with the likes of you, the listener. So if we're talking about, I don't know, monster-in-law, we're talking about the scene where J-Lo and J-Fond get blown off the screen by M-Vart. Talk about the little moments. There's tons of them in today's feature. One, you sound like a beat poet today. So kudos. Two, Michael Vartan. I'm just going to say it, Nick. A microscope legend. Wait a minute. For one for one reason and only. For one reason only. He's got okay, the best I, last name in the biz. Okay, the best that, last name in the biz. I thought you were going to say because he looks like a bland Edward Burns. Good to say Edward Burns. Michael Vartan in this. You might remember him from Never Been Kissed. You might remember him from Alias. You might remember him from, I think, Rogue? Is that right? Maybe. What's that crazy alligator movie? Could be. But yeah, he had a big old head, Michael Vartan. Like, he had quite a, quite a hunk of head. And he's still moving through the universe, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, he didn't die. COVID got, got, didn't get its icy grip on him. He's still, I think he's still out there. I think he got famous enough where people featured him when he got married. You know, that kind of fame. Let's see. How, well, how's he doing? My, he's a French-American actor, Nick. Zoom in. Divorced, 53 years old. He's got a he star looks, on the Thunder Bay, Kansas Walk of Fame. His Wikipedia picture, he looks absolutely stunned that a camera is pointed to him, at him. Fan of ice hockey. Yeah, he's not really working these days. Last scene on God Friended Me, which is, I know you show you've binged pre- recently, right? Uh, we all know that as uh, GFM, uh, the true fans. God right. Friended Me. They should update that God subscribed to my Twitch feed. You're, 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 you're playing a raucous game of Doom Eternal or whatever, and you look down, it says 64 uh, viewers, including God. Be pretty cool. Yeah. His agents were Eddie and Mikey Tamo, Zamo. Is these, are these G.I. G. Joe jokes? Yeah. So mm. what's your relationship to Law Abiding Citizen, Mr. Waddell? Well, I, I'd seen it before. Maybe in the theater. Maybe. I don't think so. I think I probably just rented it or something. And then I forgot about it. So when we, when we watched it again for this, I vaguely kind of remember a few things from it, some of the violence. But other than that, I had no idea who lived and died. I didn't remember the ending. I just remember that old Gerard Butler's in it, one Jamie Foxx. So yeah, I, I kind of watched this with some fresh eyes. And got to say, Nick, not a happy movie. Well, you made me happy when you told me you thought it was mean. And you're right. It is mean. And I, mean. Lo- I love mean movie. I love him. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where you and I kind of differ sometimes is where I think you really like a movie that will that kind of goes goes for it with gusto and is super mean. That turn that usually turns me off a little bit. See, I like mean with purpose. I cannot stand mean torture porn type mean. I, I have no time for that. But when they do things that are make you a little sick, a little queasy, a little sad, you know, in the context of a narrative that's fun and or or mm-hmm. engaging it works great for me i would just say that this movie i feel it feels to me a little purposeless 
But within the confines of the world, I guess that you're talking about, like the characters reacting and behaving within the this context, I guess it seems okay. I, you know, I guess it makes sort of sense to me. It just feels pretty surface. And it's written by someone that you're acquaintance of yours, Kurt Wimmer. Yeah. yeah. No, so I saw it in the theater and was su- very pleasantly surprised with it. Sort of an advocate for it. And then I've seen it quite a few times over the years. But it still holds up for you. It does. And it's funny because Gerard Butler's character, if you look at it from a certain perspective, is almost an amalgam of John Doe from Seven and Jigsaw. I mean, there's a yeah. very weird. It's almost a horror movie pitch that they shoehorn into a cop dr- or like a legal drama thriller kind of thing. It's where it feels very comic booky. It feels like he almost could be like a Joker type character. Like that's the level of of playfulness. He's just everybody is at his mercy in this movie almost the whole way through. It's very he's realistic, a, a, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. It did. It did remind me why I love Gerard Butler so very much, though. There's something about that guy I just cannot get enough of. I love that he, his his attempt, like his way of approximating an American accent, which is which isn't a bad. It's not a terrible, but I just love that he just he just grits his way. He just almost shouts his way through it. He's so gruff. What's his? Is he? He's just British, right? Is he? He's not Irish. American British. words roll around his mouth like loose ice. He's one of those people that's hard to pin down, Ger- Gerard Butler. He's, he's kind of like started out doing kind of serious work, right? Like he, at least he was like, people are like, oh, this guy's kind of a an interesting actor. And he went, he just like, he, do- he dovetailed to Schlock pretty quickly. I, dis- right? I disagree. He does. He, do- he does. He was an action guy. He did. But, wasn't he, but com- didn't he start out? He started out with in some serious films, I think. Did, am I wrong? I mean, but his breakout was 300. Was that his breakout? Yeah. and But action films, romantic comedy. I mean, that was his breakout, but I thought he was in stuff before And that. even inspirational films, like that surfing movie or whatever it was called. Surviving the Wave or whatever it's stupid called. But he's yeah. been all over the place. And, he, and he, you know, he also, it's obvious that he likes to not be in shape. So he's fighting that battle on the regular. Always, always kind of interesting. And, and a movie like Den of Thieves, which on the surface is kind of a junker, is actually... Kind of great in a way, and it's a lot of it's because of how he is. It's almost he and Liam Neeson are almost different sides of a similar coin. Where they're they're better actors than a lot of the material that they choose to work in. Super versatile, somehow really magnetic. I don't know. There's something incredible incredible that I'm I'm listening to him. I'm trying to prove my point that he was a serious actor before 300, and I scroll down and then immediately proven completely right because he was in Dracula 2000. So. <laughs> Nailed it, Just Played Dracula in Blade Trinity. Oh, God, yeah. That, what's that guy's name from ER? Well, there's a reason I'm telling you this. Why? Because they, they're so Dominic similar? Purcell. Yeah, and well, what is he what best, I... what's he best known for? And who is he best known for working alongside? I don't know. Nepper! Why? Nepper! Prison Break! That's ridiculous. <laughs> what if we, what if we, Kevin Bacon gets usurped by Nepper as the Seven Degrees dude? What's the plot of this movie, sir? You asking me? Yeah, I'm tired. Well, there's a home there's a home invasion at the beginning of the film where a man's family is killed and he's very wounded. I think that's the term. He gets very wounded, but he survives and he pinpoints the killers and he says, "These two men, they killed my wife, they killed my daughter." It's very sad. And Jamie Foxx is the prosecutor in this trial, right? And he says, he kind of cuts a deal. He's like, there, "There's some screw-ups here. We can get one of these guys, but we can't get both." So we're going to have to do a deal and we're going to let the one guy off in five years. Other guy will get sentenced to death. 
Gerard Butler hears this. You know, he plays the guy with the dead family. And he's like, why would you do it? And Jamie Foxx says, like, look, it's not perfect, but we're getting them. You know, this is this is justice. Anyway, cut to 10 years later. And the people involved in this case, including the two killers, end up dying. It soon they, it's it soon comes to you know bubbles to the surface that is Gerard Butler that is instigating these these events in a very intricate way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like he is like planned for ten years his revenge. Now it's not he said it's not revenge that's driving this. It's justice. Do you agree? One hundred percent. He he is execute. He's proving the flaws in Lady Liberty's justice. The laws are fucked up. The system's broken. He's trying to poke holes in it all and prove, you know, prove that you got to tear it up before you can build it up right. He's um, he's here to make a statement, Nick. And he does that and the bodies begin piling up. And uh, so in a weird way, Gerard Butler, this movie says, is kind of right. He's kind of what he's doing. Sometimes there's, they say that, it, you know, it's kind of righteous in a way. And Jamie Foxx, in a, in a different way, is maybe didn't do everything he could like he was there's always these suggestions the reason that he didn't take this to trial like he should have is because he's got this great clearance rate 96 percent, where you know he gets a conviction rate and he's afraid to take this one there because it's high profile and he doesn't think he can get get the conviction now that's the implication and jamie fox's defense is like yeah it we wouldn't have got the conviction but we needed to get some justice so this is how i did it it was a pretty ironclad case by the way I never understood like what the hangup is. You have a, a eyewitness there. He survived. Didn't they have something about the? They said the physical evidence right. wasn't adding up. Yeah, I think the part where he watched them kill his family was a good one, though. That, that might help. And the guys are so likable. Josh Stewart from uh, the Saw movies and Collection, right? Collector was he? Was he in the Saw movies? I know he's I think, in the Collection. I think he's movies. a veteran of those movies too. The Collector movie, and he was also in um, Dark Knight, the last. The Dark Knight Rises, right? Bane's boy. He has a, a very soulless face. We talked about him a couple times on here, Josh Stewart. La Cucaracha, though, man. The guy is somehow, he's always acting. Finds a way, man. He's like fucking life itself, Josh Stewart. He's got a very memorable name. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. Josh Kristen's is, brother. Kristen's brother. Soulless face also. So first off, let's, let's start zooming in. During that scene where his family is injured... There's something that comes to mind instantly is that our vi- the main villain, the guy who does the, all the killing, actor by the name of uh, Christian Stolt, bad stabber. He's a bad stabber. He's bad at it. He goes low. But it also he goes side and goes low. Tentative bad stabs. Yeah, but I think maybe purposeful. Like he's just trying to hurt you, and then you kind of you linger around on the edge of of life for a while, edge of life and death. I have no. I, I don't agree at all. I think oh, you didn't think they thought that added, through? I think director F. Gary Gray just didn't want to spend too much time with it. So we didn't, we didn't get to see legit stabbings. He just stabs them once each. Yeah, it's a brutal scene. I don't like home invasion scenes. This one kicks off. You get see the father and, and the daughter having fun. Gerard Butler tinkering on some weird gizmo. His daughter making these little bracelets. She made one for him. This is daddy. And then there's a home invasion where the family gets killed. Now, this usually would lead to... And these movies would lead to a Punisher-type situation where the, the person left alive, Peppermint, for example, is one of those movies. The Brave One. Garn, Brave One. Person left alive that's exacts revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It's like, that's the trope, right? Because the big, that's the that's the movie you make. However, in this one, 10 years elapse. Gerard Butler's had all this time free for 10 years. He hasn't, hasn't mur- he could have murdered 
He could have murdered the one bad baddie that was out that had stabbed him. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Not yet. He 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 saves up. He yeah. saves up. He's he's like, why would I just kill him when I can have a wide variety of innocents die as well? And he would he would say they're not innocent. However, he does kill that guy in a way that made me feel pretty oh, rotten about Earth, and then I felt I felt like bad for the killer really? a little bit. I didn't a little bit. They definitely detail how he dies, and it it, it, it it's horrific, but it borders on comical because at one point, and we'll talk about what happens, but the one of the guys said he took a hacksaw to his his balls. So Bruce McGill plays Jamie Foxx's mentor. I guess he's the assistant mm-hmm. district attorney. Do we talk about the cat? We didn't say who's in this. Go list them off because there's a lot of heavy hitters here. You got the bib. Leslie Bibb here. Yep. The aforementioned Bruce McGill legend. Cole Meany. Cole Meany. Oh, God, it makes me so happy knowing he's there. Gregory Itson. Got Roger Bart. From Hostel 2, mm-hmm. I think. Hostel 2, yep. Regina Hall. And who I love. And Viola Davis shows up for a few minutes. Unbelievably. My boy, Michael Kelly. Atlanta Braves Michael fan. Kelly, who you, who you love. He's a good egg. You might remember him from... from House of Cards. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. He is a delight, always. Just an absolute... You got Michael Irby in this. Who did you play? He was the detective. The other detective. Colm's partner. Is it Catherine's brother? Different spelling. Damn it. A lot of good folks in this movie. That's what we're trying to yeah. do. Yeah. Got lots. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this. Jamie Foxx is trying to really cut corners a little bit. And he, he's very much a careerist. And he's more concerned with himself than his clients. And there's a scene where he's basically telling Bruce McGill his plan. And Bruce McGill's a little skeptical, but he's going along with it. But you notice they're in this mm-hmm. hallway at the courthouse. Cold breath coming out of their mouths. You notice this? I didn't. Mm-mm. He zoomed in. Nice. They are must have been super frigid in that courthouse. Because you could see their breath as if they were in the Antarctic. Really? Super cold breath. I wonder why. What do you think? They had a broken window somewhere on set? I don't know. Maybe maybe F. Gary likes to keep it cool. I don't know. You gotta, you gotta ra- you know, ratchet up the tension and make the actors a little uncomfortable so that they give you their best work. And then, uh, here's what's great. So, obviously, a deal is made. The wrong guy goes to the death sentence. The asshole gets off. And, yeah, outside- yeah, when, and during, this, yeah, during this home invasion, there's two guys. And the main baddie enters the house with a baseball bat, knocks... Gerard Butler to the floor. And he's the one that does the stabbing. His partner just wants to rob them. He just wants to get in, get the goods, and leave. He's kind of nervous. He's like, why are you being so brutal, bro? And that's the guy Nick's talking about that actually gets... The guy that's hesitant, he gets the death sentence. The part I I really didn't like was when he carried the kid out of the room. Why would you carry the kid out of the room if you're going to murder her? It's almost as if they wanted to say that more things happened. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I don't like that. Everything else is perfect. What do you mean? You don't like it that they were suggesting that or that they didn't keep her in the room? That they suggested that. I don't like this movie, I think, is is too mean. That's what I was telling you before. I don't like it. Kurt Wimmer, he's not turning on the charm here, Nick. Our disagree. I, this I, movie is a, a, a glorious delight. The main bad guy, after he stabs his wife, tries to rape her. Does he? I didn't catch that. He, start, he starts to do it, and then the little girl comes in. Like, she comes in the room. It's, it's horrible. I don't need all this, Wimmer. You know, take a fucking chill pill for us. For a second, just say, enter with the baseball bat, and then you hear some horrible sounds, and then you cut to a sad faced Gerard Butler saying, My family's dead. That's all I need. I think F. Gary, maybe it's F. Gary. Maybe this is off on it's, it's, it's on F. Gary, you know, it's it's on his head. Maybe he's embellished like this. Well, I, I mean, if you think of it, another trope of these kind of movies, though, is that it, they do take it to the nth degree when in their crime. Because I remember in Death Wish, there's a rape as well. I think Jeff Goldblum actually was one of the rapists, but I guess that they, since there's such a shocking 
murder that happens later on, such a brutal murder. Maybe they have to really they have to make this so horrible what this guy does because there's no other way you could justify something that horrible happening to him, right? So I guess that's why they did it. It's not that horrible. It's bad. He sucks. I hate him. He deserves to die. He sucks, but you know yeah. who should you know who deserves to live hmm. is whomever was responsible for the fitness regimen and diet and uh, makeup routines for all the cast because it goes it flashes forward ten years and they look identical. No one has aged a moment. So no. maybe Bruce McGill because he just ages at a faster rate than all of them. Yeah, you, you, did, did it have to be ten years later? Could it just have been like two, five years later? Maybe just five. Why ten? What, what's the, why is that the magic number for them? They wanted to keep the film airtight legally. Knowing how the system is, it would take 10 years for them to get to the point where they're ready to execute that dude. Because, you know, you're on death row for quite right. some time. And this is the first thing, you know, this is 10 years later. You see Jamie Foxx with his family. His daughter is preparing for a cello recital. Jamie Foxx is informing his wife, played by Regina Hall. He ain't going to make the recital. He's got to... Do work, you know. He's and he and Regina Hall is like, you know, you never come. You've been to one of these recitals, and Jamie Jamie Fox is like, I'm busy. He's like, tape it for me. I'll watch it later. You know that kind of thing. They get and they have this little tension in their marriage. But he's off to the, that. The reason is that Jamie Fox off to the execution. That's what he can't miss. The best part is this is a, this kicks off this movie. This ten years later scene kicks off with a breakfast scene. They're making brekkie, Pancakes. no cereal. I was looking for cereal. I didn't see any. It was sad. But we find out that he's throwing shade at his wife's cooking in that scene. He is. His daughter's making the breakfast, yeah. They do a really bad thing here, I think. A, ba a bad filmmaking thing. A choice. Jeff Gary makes. Okay. I don't know if it's... There's this execution scene where Josh Stewart, you know, he, they're preparing him for execution. And they cross-cut it. This preparation of him almost, you know, preparing to die. Or get you know, getting prepared to die. With the daughter queuing up her cello for her recital like she's about to take the stage and they keep cross-cutting the execution and the recital between the two or you know together whatever it's just such a shallow dumb choice like who cares about the recital you know that's the scene that's why f gary wanted to make the movie that was the scene in the script we got polar it's like they're, they're really trying to like the, you know she's like she's tuning her cello they're they're showing like the like the executioner queuing up the, the the lethal drugs like it just like it doesn't make sense like the the one-to-ones it's so stupid that's a weird thing um, to, that's a weird thing to hate it's not it's a bad it's like it doesn't you don't need it you like it huh it doesn't bother me at all it keeps it keeps it keeps my pulse moving that movie can it, it confused me so much that scene i thought they were going to euthanize the cello you know, I thought that was at the end. It was going to expire. We did see it. Didn't we see a movie recently where the cello gets killed? Yes. Yeah. Electric, Electric Dreams. Dreams. Which is funny because that scene in the reminds me of Shocker, where he's being electrocuted, which he get, literally has Electric Dreams. But I was getting yeah. a Horace Pinker vibe from that whole scene. Every time I see an execution scene, as most of you, I cannot not think of Shocker. So what do you think of that little, that kind of like Jesus cross thing that they, lay, they laid him on to execute him? They lower it. It's very strange. It's like body shape. Just like is that real? Is that, is that how they do <laughs> So anyway, he gets killed hard. Something goes wrong and he gets horribly killed yeah. uh, by the drugs. Like he's in, he dies in pain. And, and, weird, and everybody and, and he gets, out. It makes him bleed a little bit weirdly too, which is sad. Yeah, it doesn't go right. You know, everybody's flipping out and 
And they soon realized that somebody tampered with something to make that happen. The warden's like, man, this should have been painless. I don't know what happened. It went opposite. Jamie Foxx. And by the way, they, popcorn. There's, there's a <laughs> there's a shot during this scene when the, they're showing the like the plunge, like the little syringes, whatever those things are, pushing the drugs into the IV. Mm-hmm. You know, one by one, there's like three like big syringes, and they show like the the executioner, and he's got like dreamy look on his face, like he, I'm loving this, like he's I'm love my job, you know. Right. <laughs> This is the best. And then they, they cut to the cello and the cello is like, this is the best. <laughs> and then the cello recital goes awfully wrong. Somebody's tampered mm-hmm. with the composer's wand. Just kidding. <laughs> Josh leaves the film uh, in pain. And yeah, everybody is that. like, this is peculiar uh, that he died in a violent manner in this way. And we're going to see what's up. Yeah. And you think anybody, anybody there wouldn't care. They're like, oh, that was hard to see, but he's dead. Who cares? Let's move on. Anybody up for Hardee's? You know, like that kind of thing. And then we see the other killer who's got a a sleeping hooker in his room. He's doing drugs. And he gets a phone call tipping him off that the cops are after him. So he hightails it out. Well, the the cops, they they think it's this guy that killed this guy. They think it's him because Gerard Butler kind of frames. He does some kind of message like on there about fate, which is something this guy said. And so they're like, we got to go after this other killer because he's the guy that did this. So yeah, that's, so go ahead. I'm sorry. It's supposed to show you how out of touch Jamie Foxx is because he's, he forgot the name of the killer because he was, yeah. he's, he, he was so, he's so divorced from that, that he is completely. Did you, do you, do you remember the name of the killer? I mean, I looked at it a second ago. Do you? Darby. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is Darby. I think it's his last name. And so, his first name, Terrence Trent. Clarence. Hateable. And then Gerard Butler gets all jackal and gets all in a costume to get this guy in his club. Yeah, so this guy gets a call and says, the police are on the way. You need to run for it. Get on the roof. I, I drugged the... There's a cop in a car. Get in the car and, you know, get away. And so this, this killer's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to go for it. Sees the cop car, jumps in, grabs the cop's gun, and turns it on the cop and says, drive, man. What happens? Well, things don't go to this plan because then the killer... He drives like to this empty field. But what happens to the gun? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Is it, and then the killer gets out and he's like, I'm going to kill, uh, you know, basically he's going to kill this cop and the cop. The co- and you know, it's Gerard Butler. I mean, and he's like, don't kill me. I, I got a wife. I got a, I got a daughter. And then the killer's like, I don't give a fuck or something like that. And he tries to shoot him. What happened? You tell, you describe the amazing well, he thing is, that happened. He is, it's like Blade's sword. His, the gun has been set up. As soon up as he pulls the trigger. Yeah. To, to, to injure the the owner of the, the person holding it. So it shoots these little little needles into this guy's hand that have, I think, poison fish, like blowfish poison on it. Yeah, but Butler goes straight, straight elaborate. And he had doctored the gun to inject puffer fish, ve- fish venom into this killer's hand. And what does it do? They, you, you can tell already what it does, but this guy ain't moving anymore. And he's but just standing there like, uh. It, he can't move, but he can feel all the pain in the world. That's why he. Yeah. Loved, that's why Butler's so happy. And Butler said, "Look, you you're not gonna be able to move a muscle, but you're gonna be aware, and you're gonna feel everything. It doesn't." And then he takes him to a little room, and he dexters him. Yeah, he does. And there's a cute mm-hmm. little scene where he's showing him the box cutter, and he he says, "This is for your penis." Yep. And uh, he says, basically, he's gonna he's gonna cut off a limb at a time. He's gonna remove his eyelids. He's gonna. Oh, he also injects him full of drugs that so he won't pass out. Turn Cuts up his tongue so he won't choke on that. He says he's going to. They don't show that. But they do, he describes everything he's going to do pretty much, and, and, and then he does it. He does. He wins. Yeah, he videotapes himself doing it. I love it. So then the cops pretty much kind of know. They don't find the body yet or anything, but they know that 
Gerard Butler. Well, I guess they do. They they do he, find he the owns, body. He owns the property. They find this guy's headless corpse. He's been tortured to death. And so then they they go to arrest Gerard Butler, and he strips down naked. And then he's they put jeans on him because they're like that's too much. Mm-hmm. But why does but he, he, no, he? Why does he naked? He gets, I never understood that. He gets bare. He gets bare ass. I think he does it because he doesn't want to think them to think that he's armed, and so he just goes completely naked. So he's defenseless. So he, they'll arrest him, and they won't shoot first as cops are known to do. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the best part about this, though, that you find out soon is that Gerard Butler likes to create gizmos. Big time. He's Chris Wayless. Did that Gremlins reference? Yeah. And he goes into the prison, and he basically tells them, you just opened up a hornet's dick. This is not going anywhere. Some weird shit's about to go down. I have demands, and if you don't abide by my every need, shit's going to go bad for well, you and yours. Well, the thing that's fun about this movie is Gerard Butler, they find out like when they arrest him, they go, they're going through a shit and he's got all these law books and they're like, oh my God, he's got all these gizmos and he's gotten weird. He's gotten rich and gone weird. And so they're, you kind of know that just because he's got all the law books in there, it's going to be trouble for our law or our lawyer hero. But anyway, he, they get him in the box and this is where the movie gets kind of fun is Jamie Foxx is interrogating him about this murder and he's getting a confession. He thinks he's getting a confession from Gerard Butler. And he asks, he's asking these very direct questions. And Butler is giving these half answers. Jamie Foxx is like, man, we got him. We got him. He admitted to everything. And Gerard Butler is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's rewind the tape. Listen to my answers. They're evasive, you dummy. And um, so he started, you, right now he's just playing with everybody. And I think that's where the movie has some fun. I kind of like that. I like that he's like one step ahead of, of them in these in the kind of legal situations. Like he does that with the judge later I on. Love, too. I love, I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this kind of stuff. This, this, the, the, the verbal sparring that these dudes have. Yeah, I, but I you think also for have the majority of this film, Jamie Foxx is the villain to me for the majority of this film. Well, that's, what's surprising to me in this movie is that I feel like if this movie was a little bit more adventurous, Jamie Foxx would die. He's definitely not a hero in this. And he does eventually get the upper hand. It's just, it feels like a movie where he shouldn't. Right. It feels like a movie where the bad guy's so smart that there's no way that the hero could ever win. But Jamie Foxx is so charismatic. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's super charismatic. It, yeah. it gets him through a lot of that. It kind of, you kind of need him in this because his character also is unlikable, but Jamie Foxx isn't unlikable. So you kind of need that the charisma. I, it's kind of. I'm with Gerard Butler for the majority of this film. He's not. <laughs> He's not the villain to me for the most part until he does yeah, some things I that think, I don't agree with, obviously. but He loses me, but you, I definitely feel bad for him. You shouldn't, you know, but he, you know, as Jamie Foxx says, man, you, you, you kill too many innocent people for anybody to feel bad for you at this point. I mean, you're, you're a horrible person. He keeps saying, would your family want this much death on your hands? Well, I love it because kind of, he zooms in. Yeah. He goes, how would your wife and daughter feel? Gerard zooms in even harder says, they can't feel because they're dead. Yeah, I mean, but it does stop him a little in his tracks when Jamie Foxx says that kind of stuff. I don't agree. I think he's just... I like how we always call them by their names, like Jamie Foxx. I don't remember their characters' names. I need to. You don't. Clyde Shelton is... That's why we don't talk about it, because... Clyde Shelton. Gerard Butler's name is Clyde Shelton, which is awful. And Jamie Foxx is tough to remember because his name's Nick. Yeah, and Gerard Butler, when this was set up, was he was going to play Nick. And... and then he ended up playing Nick in Den of Thieves, so it's okay. He did. His name's Clyde? Yeah. That's the Man, biggest mistake Kurt, Kurt Wimmer made. He's a gizmo wizard in this, Clyde. Gizzard, yeah. Giz- Gizzard. It's a gizwiz. 
So let's let's, let's um, fast forward. So he's so a few bodies fall, and his little plan. Yes. You know, he he's basically a few steps ahead of everybody else, and it gets mm-hmm. to the point where so the lawyer who is defending the killers he ends up losing his life, and then you know the legal system is pissed Gerard Bartlow off, and because he's studied all this law shit, when he's being uh, when they're trying to determine if he gets bail, you know, he he outwits Jamie Foxx and, and sort of gets the judge on his side. And then she decides, which is one of the better scenes, she decides to let him have bail and he chastises her for it. Doesn't she doesn't decide to let him have bail yet? Like he cut she Butler cuts her off when she starts to kind of side with him. He, she she starts to kind of praise his his law performance and he is just like, You fucking idiot, you're gonna let me have bail, like. Like I just probably killed two people. You know, he was just like, and so he, yeah, he really reads her the riot act and then gets her off of his side completely. <laughs> He's in contempt. He gets in contempt, man. Yeah. That's a bad thing. Yeah. He calls her a B word. And he talks about anal, right? Her t- taking the butt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He really, he goes for it. And, um, and then it gets to even more great stuff. Because he, you're talking about when he when he bargains for a mattress in this. In his he cell. does that, but then he bargains for a nice dinner or lunch in this case. Yeah, this is a scene that confused me, and I will say this: there's only reason, one reason it confused me. So he starts to try. That's part of this is like he'll he'll confess if they give him a mattress or if you know the the rules have changed. Okay, so you if you give me one of the things they realize that the the defense attorney's missing. Gerard Butler is like, oh yeah, I know where he is. I'll give you his location if you if you make a deal with me. And my, the deal is, I want an amazing meal from this restaurant. That's a great restaurant. Uh, what is it? Um, Steakhouse. Yeah, what's, uh, I love it. Del, Del, Fris- Fris- Del Frisco's. Del Frisco's. And so then he it, and he goes, "I need it by one o'clock p.m. That's when I want it served. And I'll, and if you have it to me by then, I'll give you the details about where this missing guy is." Anyway, the one thing I didn't understand, I thought it was quite crazy. The food's delivered through the cell by like a maitre d. Like they bring in like they bring in <laughs> a maitre d pushing the food cart. That's not the best thing ever, though. Why? But why did they do it? Like, I don't understand. Did he request that it was like served by maybe, like maybe the Delmonic, maybe the Del Frisco people have a set of standards. I don't know. But that's not just the, that's not the best. There's a, there's something I don't remember in this movie that I love that they that happened. We get to watch Eric eats asparagus slowly. He does do that. We get to watch them scan a steak. It, <laughs> they pass that steak through security not once but twice. But the idea of that little scuti. Going up the conveyor belt, getting checked, is a delight to see. So the warden gets his big old his big old hog out, and he's like, he's like, let me scan this food. And Jane Butler's like, look, he said he wants it by one o'clock. We need you. We're gonna be late. Stop scanning the food. It's fine. And the warden's like, scan it again. This is my prison. You know, not till I'm satisfied. And so he puts it's Gregory. He puts his foot down. Yeah, he puts his foot down, and the food is late by eight minutes. But he, you know, Butler does get the food and does give up the details on where this guy is. And they're late because they he had X amount of survival time. And so, yeah, so when they get to this missing lawyer who was, or defense attorney who was in buried underground, he's dead. And if they had just gotten there a little quicker, he would be alive. But since they didn't get the food to old Gerard Butts in time, this guy's dead. And, you know, who cares? Well, I Jamie t- Foxx, he's t- very upset. Also, who cares is his cellmate. The cellmate, that's the thing I remembered from this movie the most, is that the cellmate 
is already jealous of the mattress that he has. Now he's jealous of the food. And Gerard Butler very kindly says, he's like, are you looking at the food? Do you want some of this? And the guy's like, yeah, basically, if you don't give it to me, I'm going to kick your ass. And so Gerard Butler invites him to have some of the meal with him. And they kind of bond, it seems. They have a good old time. The roommate, For a while. Sumat's really enjoying his uh, his food. He started, they start laughing together. Gerard Butler is like, you know, have some of this steak. Rips off a piece of steak. And then he see him get the T-bone out of the steak yep. and and then clutch it behind his back like a weapon. What happens, Nick? Uh, they eat the steak. And? The macaroni and cheese gets ate. The asparagus gets ate. Slowly. And then Gerard Butler... Uh, Let me ask you one quick question. Does the cellmate get to enjoy his weird-smelling pee later on because he ate asparagus? <laughs> he does not. Doesn't, huh? Well, actually, Doesn't he might get that. to enjoy it right away because he may... But that's a, a brutal killing. It is, and I read in the trivia that they trimmed it. Yep, it was. They said, yep. yeah, it was so gory that the they said that they they had to trim it, and it's still brutal. I wonder what they did, like that, well, how horrible it was before that, because that's pretty. He bad. bone stabs him a lot. Bone stabs him in the neck and gets blood everywhere, even on his new mattress. But he doesn't enjoy it, and then they're like, they're baffled. What we this is not good. And yeah, then the they, warden doesn't like it's his. It's, warden hates to see it. His, he really does. I got paperwork now. It's all a reason he wants to go into solitary. That's how he gets put into solitary, which leads to sort of the last act where everything sort of comes to a head. And uh, that's where he can cheat. He can cheat from solitary. Yeah. So here's the thing that I didn't remember that part of this. I thought really he had orchestrated all this stuff somehow before he died. I didn't realize that he was like getting out and stuff and getting out into the world. I can't remember that. Anyway, before we move on to, from the cellmate, he's pretty likable. That actor. He looks like uh, he looks like the guy from Making a Murderer when he was all scruffy in prison. I just thought he was a likable sort, and I kind of was like, you know, he's kind of rough and tumble, but then he really is enjoying his time with Gerard Butler. And then he isn't. No, he's like, oops. By the way, know. Leslie Bibb plays Jamie Foxx's assistant, who has sort of ridden on his coattails throughout his career, and they sort of mm-hmm. they almost make them seem like they have like a, a little bit of eyes for one another a little bit, but obviously she has this mysterious boyfriend. Who we never meet. Yeah. They talk about this guy, Chester, mm-hmm. who ultimately ends up sending an email to help in the case. But I was—that's one of the big yeah. disappointments in law-abiding citizen—is that they, they, it's like one of the rules in filmmaking. You don't introduce a mm-hmm. Chester in the first act if we don't get to meet Chester in the third. You never get to see him. Uh, Leslie Bibb was is really like she's Jamie Fox is kind of her mentor, and I, I don't know. I, I guess there's a little bit of chemistry between them, but. I don't think they set up anything too romantic between, you know, it doesn't seem like, especially whenever he keeps asking about her boyfriends and she's like, it just seems like they're buddies. Oldest trick in the book. What do you think? He's just trying to get next. He just wants, yeah, he just wants, uh, and yeah. You, you don't, you don't remember what you told me. You zoomed in on Leslie Bibb yesterday. Tell me. You said that she was the baby. She was like the baby's favorite actress. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's huge. <laughs> All baby's favorite actress, Leslie Bibb. In real life, she's with old Sammy Rockwell. That's right. They've been together for a period of time, actually. I love that pairing because I like both of them. And they're both very fun like actors. Like they're both she can do comedy. She's really funny. And obviously he can as well. He can and do so maybe he can do anything. And I love the fact that they've taken their they've pulled their gold, as they say, and gone into business with one another. And I mm. I hope I hope ultimately Rock and Bibb puts Dave and Busters to shame. 
Because it's it's a really good little concept that they put together. There. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she gives a gives a very sympathetic. You like her character in this. I think you don't. Re- there's not many characters to like in this, and she's certainly likable. And she even questions Jamie Foxx and says, "You know, is this guy that wrong? Like, did you really did you fuck it up this hard where he goes he went insane? Did I am I on the wrong side here? I have some news for do you. We, she gets rewarded. Do we do him dirty? She gets rewarded for that. She does. So let's let's, let's go. So the judge, right? Best best scene, right. most memorable scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. The uh, everybody a call. everybody feels threatened. There's a, everybody's a little tense. They're trying to get, just solidify the case, yeah. And so Jamie Fox and Bruce McGill are at the judge's place. Mm-hmm. She's a little aloof. She's pissed off. She's she knows everything. She's got a little too cocky. By the way, does she remind you of our friend Anita a little bit? I got a little Anita vibe from her. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yes, so the phone scene. That's that's one of the that scene was uh, a big one in the theater. She doesn't make it. Because her phone has been rigged to shoot her face away. <laughs> she picks up a call in the middle of the meeting, and that's the last thing she picks up yeah. of all time. Um, Except a her phone heart wrote, to play a heavenly tune much later in history. Her phone unexpectedly shoots her across the room when she picked. I thought someone was shouting through the line, like yelling at her, and that that's that she she'd made a comical acting choice. <laughs> And they threw her. I thought she was going to be okay. They're going to show her, and she said her hair is going to look disheveled. And it's like, wow, I guess they're really mad on the other line. Yeah, that was my husband. I forgot dinner. You know, something yeah. like that. Oh my! But instead, they show her, and uh, she did. Her uh, head is like surrounded by her brains. She did. And then they didn't go. They didn't need to do a pulse check. She's done. And then you know, basically, Butler's character has taken the war to the cops. Man, he is just everybody's everybody's threatened. And and a lot. Well, you know his. You know he says it because Jamie Foxx is like, "Why do you keep killing people? This is ridiculous, man." And you know what he says? Lessons not learned in blood are soon forgotten. Some some wild words from a man butts. Well, they're quoting something. Yeah, with Clive Barker. Curious George rides a bike. <laughs> yeah, so everything escalates and a lot of bloodshed happens. And I love it. The Michael Kelly scene is preceded by a very bad line of dialogue by Bruce McGill. Do you remember? They're starting to peel back Clyde and his whole shit. And Michael Kelly sort of is the Donald Sutherland and JFK of this movie. Bruce McGill basically has found this contact and he goes to Jamie Foxx and said, I pulled some ancient strings. <laughs> That's amazing. That's pretty rough. Oh, I love it. That's a good one. Okay, we're in a- You don't like it, huh? I-, I love it in concept. It just comes off really writerly. Did, did they cross cut to uh, the-, the daughter tuning her cello when Tuning he said her it? angelic harp in heaven. Where she's no. dead as hell. Who? No, Jamie Foxx's daughter isn't dead. Oh, that's right. Shit. I, I didn't mean to spoil my dreams. Michael Kelly shows up in a very weird... His voice is a little different in this, which is funny, but he basically says, look, Clyde was our guy. He was the guy that would do the wickedest shit to kill people. Like, nobody could kill people like Clyde. He can secret kill him. Yeah. He's like... he, And he says to him, you want this to stop? You got to murder him. You got to kill him in a cell. It's not stopping. He's too smart. The thing is, like, this isn't a needed scene. You can just, what you, he's a tinkerer. He likes gizmos. He's had 10 years. I, that's enough. I don't need to know that he was also like a, a, a CIA guy that was doing all this shit. I don't need it. I need it. Why? I need it big. <laughs> Why? I need it big. <laughs> they don't, I don't need a purpose. I, he had 10 years. I need it. Plus, with the recent announcement that they're doing a sequel to this movie. And that's what's so strange is that we we actually decided to do this before we heard this, right? Or did you know I that? think we started to talk about the sequel. No, I think it was around the same time. 
So I read why they're doing it. So they just this movie's from 2009, and it was kind of a hit. Like I think it, it was. made money. Yeah. They announced the sequel, and everybody was confused because not me. I need it. Eleven years later, or it's more than that. Now it's thirteen, right? It's a long time. Why a sequel now to a movie that doesn't seem like it even needs a sequel? Obviously, but during COVID on Netflix, this movie became one of the most watched movies over the pandemic. So good. People needed to watch themselves some law-abiding citizen to get through COVID. Yep. They were blown away that they had such a fan base that they're like, got to give the people what they want, and they want LAC2. The great thing about this movie is it holds no fancy with time itself. Ten years can no. pass in a whisper, right? So right. they could do a sequel. It could be. It could take place 30 years before the original, and they could still look the same. It could take six, I don't understand. 600 years in the future, and they could still look the same. This it's going to be fun because one of the things that we do on the show is we try to figure out what a sequel would be. I can't wait to hear what you think it should be because they're going to have trouble <laughs> concocting a sequel out of this one. I wonder what Wimmer, who is, I think, writing it, is going to come up with. If it's a, Is it a whole new law-abiding citizen with a whole new set of characters? But Gerard, Butler, Gerard Butler's back. Is he back? Is he just back as a producer? I think he's back. I mean, how do you? why do you make this movie without a legend? He dies in this, by the way, folks. He super dies, but is he going to come back with like singed hair? Is that his? Ten years <laughs> later, he's got a burn wound and he's it's healed now. And he's been tinkering. I don't care. He ends up killing a large portion of the rest of the cast. He kills poor Leslie Bibb. She dies sad. She doesn't get to introduce Chester. Bruce McGill is shot yeah, by a well, remote he, controlled. Well, he he booby traps all the cars and blows them up when they they're having a meeting where they're talking about how they're not safe. And they, we just need to get together and like figure it out. Oh, let's just go home. And they get in their cars and a lot of them blow up. It's like Luther Weapon 3. And Jamie Foxx yeah. luckily got into his car late. He and didn't Bruce get McGill doesn't die easy. in that scene either. He They mm -hmm. save his murder for the graveyard where everybody, I don't know, they're all at the graveyard. I think it's nice to make it convenient. He's already there. And he has a remote control, also like the Jackal, a remote control weapon uh -huh. of destruction that destroys Bruce McGill's car with him in it. Yeah. And then it blows well, up then, in half. Well, so Bruce McGill survives this 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 bullet ridden. He's not in a good place though. <clears throat> he gets shot, but he's okay. He's not. Like, he's not. He is not okay. He well, is. Well, like here's okay. He is minutes. He's alive for now. He's alive. But he is not going to make it. Okay. I'm just going to tell he's you. really not going to make it because they put a bow on it by shooting a rocket launcher at the car. It does not. And then even then they cut back to him and he's fine. And then the second rocket. And he chokes comes on out. his own hair and dies. Then the T-bone drops from the sky into his... By the way, neck. Bruce McGill's an actor I worship. I mm -hmm. love seeing him. It always makes me happy to see him in a movie, which is mm -hmm. miraculous considering he is the low-energy king. <laughs> he is the low-energy king. He's got amazing hair. His hair is his always hair. swished back in a delightful yeah. uh, quaff. He's got a, quite a presence. I just... He is... And he get and he, and he, Well, I love the part where he just... he get, His car gets shot up and he's fine. He, he's dying... He's doing good. He's on his last moment, and then he gets forevered. But let's pour out one for Bruce McGill. The guy's been good forever. He has. He was always he old. Has. Yeah. And he's always... Never gets to play the fun character. Never. He was a fun character in Last Boy Scout. Did he play Batty? He got destroyed in the early... He was in um, Matchstick Men. He kind of was... I don't know if he's sort of fun in that. Most of the time, he's like kind of a figure of authority. 70 years... 71 years young. He was in Animal House, which I always forget. Yep. I love that we have two McGill character actors that are both a delight on the regular. Yeah. Everett and Bruce. Bruce McGill is like, you know, he's constantly working. Um, he's on Reach, the show Reacher. Who just got cast in yeah, the he's... new Fast and Furious movie. The 
Reacher character, Jack or Alan Richardson. By the way, Palm Frites. Fr- fries. They say, yeah, but they say they say Palm Frites, right? Mm-hmm. A little truffle oil, I think. And, and Jamie Fox, because uh, that's what Gerard Butler was saying what he wants with his steak. Jamie Fox says, "Fuck your Palm Frites," <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty great. I wonder if it's been said in any other movie. <laughs> Have you ever you had palm frites before? Of course. And that's just a fancy way of saying fries, huh? Yeah, it's just like Heracovere is just green beans. Is it just, is it steak fries? Like, is it it's just... I, I think the truffle fries. oil is sort of part of it, too. Mm-hmm. I hate and you, I hate the, the, the bullshit terminology restaurants use. Housemade, mm-hmm. yeah. farm to table. Mm-hmm. What I hate is when waiters will give you the special. It was something like, you're like, what's the special? Like, well, we'll be having a... You know, like they do that, like future town. I don't know what it is, but we'll be having a, and we'll be having, you know, asparagus and we'll also be having, and I'm like, what do you mean? We'll be having, you know what I'm saying? Just want to hear about it. Tonight we have is fine enough. Our specials include the following. Yeah, that's good. Locally. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. They always go to like, we'll be having. Locally sourced. Is that bastard pig? We know they're bastards because we ensure that the slaughtering happens shortly after conception. Braise it in an au jus. You know, sauteed in a spring mix of uh, nectarine must. You know, just they just candy coat the words. You know, to make it sound much more mouthwatering. <laughs> must. And it makes yeah, you want to kill. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a, tonight's uh, vegetable. Gonna be a butternut squash souffle bromol. You know, you're like, yeah. all right. Just I actually want to hear the special. Like they always also start with the soup. Just get me to the fancy main. You know, the the actual special. Right. I don't need the build up. I don't even hear about the appetizers. Got a peppercorn encrusted shrimp dick, you know, like just completely <laughs> set under the bechamel noise machine. The chef twists his twists his hat around a couple of times and shimmies up with a <laughs> demiglace and just completely rock solids the some sea salt into its abdomen while it's dying. We used to eat at a restaurant called Sugo, which is incredible. One of my it favorite used to be places. Over by me and uh, the guy that owned the yeah. There's one. Kind of over by you, right? Federico Castellucci the second. The guy that owns yeah. it. And he used to come out, he would tell you stories about that food, yeah. you know. He would go all in about, you know, his mama or his aunt. Aunt Lena. And I'd be like, Man, cut to the chase. I'm starving right. and order me a birthday cake because I'm about to turn a new year. There's something I used to get there all the time that is that is so good. I can't it's like some chicken dish or something. Aunt Lena's chicken. Pork. It's Aunt Lena's chicken. No, I it wasn't it wasn't chicken then. It was something else. So that's tasty. He did the Pork Brajol, Pork Brajol. That's why he did the Brajol and Ooh. the bacon wrapped Ooh. dates. Yeah. That place was great. There used to be three of them. Now it's just down to one because they because they moved into the city, right? They, well, they have their his son, other restaurants. His son, uh, yeah. He graduated from college. He he, he, went, he got his culinary degree, and then he went over to France and learned how to be a, a fancy pants. But he's a great guy. And then they opened yeah. up like four other restaurants, and those they're all huge. Everything he touches turns flying out. pig. One of them the, Ibe- flying the pig Iberian pig. Iberian pig. Double zero, not Neapolitan. Uh, and then Cooks and Soldiers, Bar Mercado. I mean, they just I haven't been to any of those. They're great. I just been the Iberian Pig. Cooks and Soldiers is a Basque Spain region place that is wonderful. Yeah, our friend Charlie and I went there because he has a Basque heritage. I, and now I want to eat some sugo. They used to do a dish. Let's go. Let's go there. Okay, let's do it soon tonight. What was they did it? Oh, pork paladar. It was a dish they only had at one of their locations, and it was that pork loin that was sliced and they had the buffalo mozzarella in between everyone and they drizzled it with that balsamic uh and, and a little mint leaf. oh it was so good oh, yeah let's go so I, and stacy would want it stacy leslie bib dies uh and then they, they um yeah she does. 
we find out. Well, everybody dies. Like, you know, like you said, McGill is kind of, and Jamie Foxx doesn't know what the, the only person he really has left on his team, even Roger Bart's dead at this point. Call Meany as the, as a kind of a detective. I love him. He that, lives, right? That he does. And he, I think he has always been giving Jamie Foxx shit. And then he, then he's like, you know what? Let's get this guy. And they kind of team up and they, and they get the tip from Chester and they find a location right outside the prison that Gerard Butler bought. And they go investigate. Jamie Foxx about to break into this place and call Meany. He's like, what about his civil rights? And Jamie Foxx says, fuck his civil rights. And they get in there, and what do they find? They find out that that's a line that people have been using a lot lately. Um, <laughs> they find an El Chapo passenger uh, trail, you know, that he takes back and forth out of the uh, solitary. They found that he has dug his way into the prison from this location, and he and he uh, has little secret compartments into the solitary cells where he can come and go as he pleases, he, he which t- is very yeah, strange. The toilet is a transformer. You know, I, that to me, it's like interesting. Like, how did he know? When those cells weren't occupied, it's not important. You know, to do this, does he have? He must have had a little glass up to the wall. And hey, I don't think I don't hear anybody moving around in there. I can start drilling. Maybe this is solitary. Maybe it's a prison that doesn't really utilize the solitary cells that much. I think we're thinking too much. We're not enough. And then he's going to blow up. There's a meeting of all these famous legal, legal, and political minds, and he's his his, mm. his coup de grace that he's going to blow them out. Uh, and and put a real a bow on this whole I hate justice thing he's on. Yeah, he's gonna blow up the mayor, right? Isn't he gonna blow up the mayor right. and Viola Davis and yeah, that's a yeah, there's he, there's he, a he, couple he, of weirds that happen though. First of all, Jamie Fox sucks at his job, and she's gonna her instinct is to fire him, but instead she promotes him. That was dumb. Yeah, it's like that was dumb. And then Gerard Butler's dressed as a janitor, like he kind of does his little jackal thing again. He gets to dress as a janitor. Sneaking bomb elements into the place, create his little cell phone weird briefcase bomb. Which there's some green stuff in there, so you know it's like Jokerish. Mm-hmm. But there's also schematics, Nick. We talked about this last time <laughs> in Gerard Butler's little place of operations. He's got schematics on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's happy to see him. Gerard Butler sets this bomb up underneath, like the room underneath the mayor, and he skedaddles back to go sit in solitary. But Jamie Foxx is on to him at this point, and they, they find this bomb. And so whenever Gerard Butler skedaddles back to his cell, who's in that cell? James Fox Comes out, steps out of the shadows. Finally, Gerard Butler's not one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx is. Jamie Foxx reasons with me. He's like, look, it's over, man. Don't blows up these people. Don't do it. Please don't do it. And Gerard Butler's like, I have to do it. This is my, this is my end game. And he does. He calls the cell phone. Jamie Foxx steps out of the sol- solitary cell. He's like, bye. <laughs> you fucked yourself. Gerard Butler's like, what do you mean I fucked myself? What, what does he mean? Well, the, Jamie Foxx has positioned the bomb underneath his cot. And he has just written his own death explosion warrant. And, you know, I have to admit, Gerard Butler takes his defeat like a champ. What does he do? It becomes like, almost like a zen moment for him. Yeah, he like kind of takes his bracelet that is very important to him, that his daughter made, and he looks at it. And he just sits on the bed waiting for explosions to happen. And what happens? It explodes. But in a very cool way. Right. Fire kind of creeps out very elegantly behind him all around the floor. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting in the middle of it. Nothing's really happening to him. He's just getting a little warmed by the all the wall fire. And Jamie Foxx and says Jamie, cool walk away from the prison while the explosion happens in the background. And the explosion happens. And, you know, I'm sure that's cool. Like, it's why not just blow the prison up? You know what I'm saying? Like, as Jamie Foxx is leaving, probably killed more than just Gerard Butler there with that bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he evacuated the prison before this happened. I love the fact that, first of all, then his daughter's cello explodes with her on it. No, <laughs> I love the fact... Well, we missed... 
We missed the whole interesting part of this. When the kid, the kid watches the murder video. Yes, she gets a she gets a vid, uh, Jamie Foxx gets mail and they think it's her recital and so she starts to watch it and that's that guy getting murdered and and she finishes the murder. She's like, I guess it's after this. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I I got there late. I must have missed this part of the recital. Oh, they're cutting his dick off with a. Okay, well, I hear. I'm, I, right here is where we start tuning our instruments. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, that happened. I also like the fact that Gerard Butler. He's probably in his cell as the fire's licking him from underneath. He's like, maybe I could have just built like devices that um, help prevent future crimes to happen. Oh well. Yeah. I'm gone. You should have killed Jamie Foxx first. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. I just think it's fun. It's a messy, dark kind of movie, but I like it. It's good. I like those two guys. Wimmer, those two guys are good together. Wimmer, Kurt Wimmer, man, prolific screenwriter. Like he, he really does like get his movies made. He's got a bunch in the works. I think, I think, it, I think you got a lot of. He's got a lot of time to write because he's never invited to any award ceremonies. <laughs> well, he was a director. He tries to be a director a little bit too, but for the most part, his his the heat on him is the screenwriting. Right, Salt and, and the Recruit. Right, Salt, which is a movie that was problematic, but I kind of enjoyed it. I, I was always kind of shocked because that movie made a lot of money. I was always surprised they didn't do another one. It's never too late though. It's true. Well, maybe legacy the- sequel, legacy sequel. You know what? It's funny. I heard about Top Gun because you know, that's the big thing. Legacy sequel, right? right. Like a, a sequel that happens a long time later. And they said the first, is this is Top Gun the first legacy sequel where it's like, for example, Tom Gun or Top Gun, I can say Tom Cruise passes the baton to Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> which is great like it is it's true that's what happens i just like that in the span like, of a couple of weeks we have obi-wan kenobi returning we have top gun mm-hmm. returning we have willow returning your favorite. somehow against all odds and at the same time stranger things the ripoff of all ripoffs is returning so it's it's well so i can't believe i called tom cruise tom gun which is incredible willow is it the first like legacy sequel that no one asked for at all like why does it exist I, let me uh exhibit a would be the dark crystal thing that happened a couple years ago yeah but then the then the dark crystal was supposed to be good like that 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 reboot was like people kind of liked that i never saw it but people liked it well, but anyway that's what i'm saying is did willow actually grow an appreciation over the years I, it feels forgotten to me it's the same thing like the goonies that was a period of time where people were so just in love the with goonies it has grown like it's, it's the love it it's sucked kind of then and it, it sucks now it's awful but that's your opinion people still have a very fond they have it, fondness for that film it was a failure was it yes and a handful I, of just people feels like... who were young when it came out have a fondness for it but it's not my opinion it's a failure I just I just feel like it I feel like that movie has grown like it's remained in the conversation whereas like I think when you talk about Willow people are like what's that what's Willow The great thing is the thing most people love about Willow is Val Kilmer and guess what he won't be in the <laughs> it's like they fucked up Although you know I what didn't, I never saw Willow I have not I have never seen it I've never made it through that movie I get bored to death should zoom in on yeah. it. It'd be interesting. I just can't wait until about four years from now when we're eating our words watching the revival of Free Jack, the streaming series. I wonder if they do it without Emilio. It's just Mick Jagger. Is he the bad guy in it? I think so. Probably doesn't make yeah. it. That's a that's a special time. All right, so look, guys. I never saw it. This classic's over, but there's a trap that's not a trap. It's actually a self-tattooing gun that's been planted in your room, and it's whirring and whirring and whirring. What's it going to mm-hmm. put on your flesh? I mean, I got the perfect All right. Gerard Butler sitting in a cell enjoying his amazing meal, right? Mm-hmm. He's got the asparagus. He's got the spork. He's got his holding the asparagus in one hand. He's actually holding the, he, 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 he gets the spork. That's what the word. I, hate, I hate that. It's not a good joke, but 
it's a good utensil. That's the utensil, by the way. I'm going to say it out loud. That's whatever we should be eating with sporks. That there should be no fork. There should be no spoon. It should just be a spork and a knife. Nope. They they invented the perfect, and as a society, we said no. I want to take a little hint from the Asian culture, and I want chop knives. I'm I'm here for it. I'm just anyway. So I'd have Gerard Butler in one hand a spear of asparagus, asparagus spear. Another hand, a spork, and around his neck, a bib with Leslie Bibb's face on it, <laughs> ready to dig in. You know, yeah, that's pretty good. That's my tat. That's and it's square. It's a square in the middle of my back. Better bib, Leslie or Fortuna? Which? I mean, I go Leslie all day. Mine's similar. I have a memorial <laughs> of the wife and daughter of Gerard Butler on yeah. my on my chest, looking like you know when people honor a fallen loved one and it's both of them looking they're dead but they're upright and their eyes are sewn closed of course mm. for the for the mortuary and there is a thought bubble coming out of both of their collective heads and it says if our dad and my husband were so good doing CIA CIA traps and all that how come we died so easy it's one of them. yeah that's the question yeah. isn't it that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But you don't think he would have had a ring those, doorbell, maybe, or something? It's an eternal question, and it's a good one to ask. I think it calls the movie out a little yeah. bit. And I like it, Nick. I, good, good on you putting that on your body. He could have brought some of that tech home, you know. And an amazing guy, that, by the way, an amazing call out to compare him to Jigsaw because he is he is Jigsaw like in this. But there's a little John Doe too, to where he gets he he accomplishes his biggest feats while in prison. While captured. Look, the movie's over. The credits have rolled. But lo and behold, there's a stinger at the end there. A little extra treat. What you got? Tacking onto the edge of law-abiding citizen. Well, Jamie Foxx, he won one. He got away. He, he lived. He got a, he got it on the bad guy. He's at home. And he's finally able to relax. He's finally... And they show him, right? He's like enjoying... He's at the recital. And he's in tears. He's listening to his daughter play. His He's learned a lesson. Yeah. Goes home. Opens the fridge fridge door and he pours himself a big old glass of Mountain Dew and he's just like at the end of the day loosens his tie and he takes a sip and he just or it takes a big gulp and he's like spits it out <gasps> what and he looks he's like that's not Mountain Dew and he looks on the Mountain Dew you know two liter in the fridge and it, it said it says you just drank my pee <laughs> Gerard Butler and it's in that font mm-hmm. Clyde. yeah it's scraped Clyde. on there yeah mm-hmm. No, he does say, and, it, and it weirdly it says Gerard Butler, <laughs> and so he did win. That he he got his he he did actually get revenge and on 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 Jamie Fox. You drank my pee. Yeah, you just drank my pee. Yeah, mm-hmm. which would have been such a that would have affected the legal system as much as everything he did in this movie because he didn't. Nothing changed. By the way, nothing's ever changing in the legal system. Might as well just mm-hmm. have him drink your whiz. What if you said urine luck? You just drank my pee. What if it said Granny's Granny's iced tea or something like Holly Hunter? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Snyder cut. So mine is similar. It is. I hope so. Just an extended sequence of all of the guards and prison personnel, cafeteria workers, and inmates burning alive. <laughs> Did <laughs> Jimmy Fox? You mean the bomb he just set yeah, off in the prison? Yeah, they're all burning alive. He's mm-hmm. going to his recital while these people smolder unnecessarily into a, a, a goodbye zone. You know, there's a, there's a cut. A goodbye zone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Small, yeah. Well, they go and, yeah, that's where you get put into the goodbye zone when Jamie Foxx exacts his revenge. Exactly. He's really, Jamie Foxx really gets upset only about Leslie Bibb. Everybody else is collateral. Because he didn't damage. hit it. He can, and he, want, he wanted to. Yeah. Well, I think he also just appreciated her innocence and like that she was his student. I, I think he, he appreciated that she did all the work and got none of the credit over 10 years, you know? He's like, I had a meal ticket. She was, you know, I was able to just be lazy. Anyway, look. Let's pretend like they're going to greenlight a sequel to Law Abiding Citizen. As stupid as that sounds, what shape would it take with that escrow happening? It's a good, it's a good question, Nick, and one I haven't come up with an answer for. I got something strong. Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. Turns out Clyde's got a twin brother. Oh wow. He burnt in prison. Okay, so he's dead too. No, no. Oh, he's the he's the ringer. He's the ringer. Clyde's mm. Clyde was telling Dried, what's his name? I need you to go into. Uh, I need you to crawl through this train tracks underneath the ground and crawl up through the toilet into the cell and pretend like you're a mastermind. And Dryd's like, you helped me ace science, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. You, I owe you one. So I just got to pretend like I'm a mastermind in this prison cell. What what could be, go could go wrong? Meanwhile, Clyde, he hightails it to the nearest, you know, Ritz Carlton and just orders room service, chilling out. The last key in his master plan in place. His twin brother blows up jamie fox thinks he's won and clyde's like i got a passport i'll be back in 10 years oh wow yeah yeah jamie fox nick is ready he's got another adversary perfect i think this that's so that you're actually thinking ahead like how could they really do it and that's maybe how they could they'd be incredible wow kurt wimmer paging kurt wimmer what mine would be similar it's this is how you can do without gerard butler because he did I mean, in your case, you, you figured a way around it. Right. This is my pitch. Ten years later, Jamie Foxx, he's just never been able to kind of forgive himself for his his misstep when he wouldn't bring this case to trial. And he made a deal and it set up all these events that have affected countless innocent lives that were connected to him. He's just guilt ridden. Me too. Sick to himself. And he's like, just, he's got gray hair. He's just a shambles and he's still no, that, a lawyer. That, but he's, That's the director. What? F. Gary. <laughs> and uh and he's just like you know he's still you know being a lawyer but he's he doesn't he's not trying high pro- profile cases anymore he's just kind of and, he, and he's just he's so mad at himself he's so sick at, at his at his at the man he used to be is this the first time we've talked about a sequel that's actually longer than the real sequel would be <laughs> trying to set i'm trying to make it funny it's not going to happen and i realize that halfway through he's mad at himself <laughs> Anyway, he decides that he's going to take a page from Gerard Butler and exact revenge on, on himself. <laughs> and he starts by taking out all the people around him that are still around that were previously connected to the case that made that made it out. Right. You know, so like his daughter, the, he's building up to that. But at first, he's going to get like, you know, the person that used to deliver the sandwiches to him when they were working on the case, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, he Gerard Butler's himself at the end. He gets the upper hand, but still dies. It's <laughs> yeah. good. The guy that replaced the printer cartridge. Oh, he's done. Yeah, he's super- done. Yeah, mm-hmm. he gets peeled. The meter made. He gets. He gets flayed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's great. Look, you've been tasked with having a business associated with law-abiding citizen. He's a shell of a man he used to be. Is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. The, you you were the saying the bank is un- under itself and, and ready for you. How are you going to spend that hard-earned? The business. Oh yeah. Well, I'm starting to. Well, now that this movie has a newfound popularity, I'm starting to. I'm starting a club. I'm starting a law-abiding citizen club. That the lackheads, 
you know, the lax stands. I'm going to start a club. You're going to pay to enter it, obviously. And you get a monogram sweater, LAC. Mm-hmm. That's our, that's our logo. You know, the big A in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just, we're just standing this film collectively and, you know, and we're riding high because we're getting our sequel. Finally, mm-hmm. you know, we've, 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 we've been loving this movie. We've been zooming about it. We've been my teams in it and just talking and just really digging in. We got F Gary gray, as a special guest, you know, he talked at the convention. We got Gerard Butler. Uh, yeah, he also, you know, he sent us a letter thanking us, that kind of thing. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a club going. Did we ever done that before? No. Yeah, I get the the lax stands. You, and you know, Nick, uh, you're invited. Oh my god, I'm 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 there. You, they, I, you might be you might be one of the biggest stands. They'll mm-hmm. show up in force when it comes out. Of course, is it going straight to Netflix? That's a big question. I don't know, but he's not on Netflix anymore. It's on uh, HBO Max. That's right. You can cosplay as your favorite character. I ordered the uh, the gas mask or the the oxygen mask, and like the I put little you know dirt smudges all over me. I'm I'm cosplaying the defense attorney. I like I like that yeah. game that you guys play uh, where uh, one of you is Chester. And the rest of the group has to figure out which one of you is Chester. Well, that's the big thing, too, is like her boyfriends, Elizabeth's boyfriends, Chester and Chuck. Remember, Jamie Foxx was getting them mixed up. That was a bit, that was a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I can't remember. Is it Chuck? Is it Chester? She's just dating the CHs. The name started with CHs, yeah. I guess. It's a good joke. He's jealous. All right, what about you? I am opening up a Southern barbecue restaurant. We don't, we don't just pull the pork. We fucking pull the pork. You order, and we have a steak that you can rip in half with your hands, just like in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, tender as fuck. All the trimmings, you know, meat and three. We got all sorts of cool shit going on. Sure. The place is decorated with black and white photos from the set. And there's a, yes, of course, there's a brochure for the Lack Club in the lobby. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to basically, you know, they have the McGill special. All the actors have given recipes. You know, Jamie Foxx's macaroni and cheese is to die for a little lobster mac and cheese. Gerard Butler has a, it's called Clyde's Pick. And it's a delightful half-roasted chicken you know, season with a little bit of trap dust. It's pretty cool. But the, you know, the funny thing is, you know, a lot of barbecue restaurants, they're either known for their sauce or they're no, they're known for the fact that they serve the brisket until it's, they, they make X amount of brisket. And when it's sold out, that's it. You got to get there early to get that brisket. Sure. Every barbecue yeah, place yeah. has its gimmick. Our gimmick is our sides are to die for every single side. Perfect. Especially the coleslaw. I mean, have you ever been to slaw biting citizen? It's such a good spot. <laughs> that's right. Clyde's law-abiding citizen. It's great. I appreciate it. You know, thanks for calling me out for the big setup for mine earlier. <laughs> and then just keeping it so short for yours. <laughs> Look, you're in the movie. You're a piece of law-abiding right. citizen. What shape does your performance take? I mean, it's only, I'm starting to ban my character. I'm I'm Jeff Timway. I'm <laughs> a guitarist. I'm down on my luck. The news starts talking about this, this guy is acting his revenge very elaborately. And elaborate ways, and then all these people connected to the case are dying. I start a band inspired by Clyde, and we just start touring and writing songs fast and furiously based on these salacious headlines. And we're kind of like a, a reaction band. So every day, you were t- we're we're coming up with new tunes. We're trying we're workshopping stuff to put in front of a, a you know a hungry audience. And we've got one. We're 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 uh, single minded as a band. We're just singing about Clyde. And it's real annoying. Like it's uh, it's like a horrible. It's like people are kind of mad at us because like they think we're trying to profit off of this misery, which we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. Plus, Clyde doesn't like it. He thinks it's making it's cheapening his what he's trying to accomplish. 
but he's feeding us every time everything you know we got us we got a song about the cute little machine gun tank in the cemetery machine gun cutie uh yeah it's we're good you know the car blow up the cars blowed up uh, as a big hit for us darby carrier it's another ballad (laughs) (laughs) yes fully nude clyde It's a big right. hit. The weird thing is we have 10 people in our band. So we got, you know, it's one of those things. You got two guitars, you get a keyboard, drums. But then we're also got like a trombone, you know, like somebody playing the trombone. We got a guy playing the harp. No cello? No cello. Not even Michelle, no cello? Go ahead. It's your, it's your turn. I killed it. Um, I'm his uh, cellmate's wife. Oh, man. And, Sorry and to hear she, she is at home cartwheeling because right. she just moved the, the family sofa and found evidence with dna on it that proved her husband's innocence right she is calling the prison and getting a busy signal (laughs) would she call the prison or did she call the the police well she wanted she wanted to call her her husband you know get through to give give him the happy news remember how you said you really like steak i got it i'm gonna cook a steak the day you get home it's gonna be the best steak you ever had but she never gets to finish that call unfortunately Man, they scanned that steak too. They guess I guess they didn't think they those dummies didn't think, huh? Fucking idiots, man! Scanned it twice. They yeah. noticed a giant sharp bone in there. <laughs> Look, you got to absorb a piece of law-abiding citizen to take into your everyday life, man. Craft a ritual, man. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna incorporate this movie into your daily life? I mean, I'll never eat asparagus. This is different. I'm, I'm gonna mimic Gerard Butler eating asparagus very slowly, very like. In your face, I'm enjoying this. It reminded me of the scene from Reindeer Games when Affleck was eating his food in a very confrontational way. You're right. Which you hate. You hated that. It was scene. a pie. It was a pie. Yeah. And so in this one, that's the only bad part of Reindeer Games. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. Otherwise, perfect. Yeah, I'm just gonna slowly eat that and just glare at someone. You know, like just what's he doing? You know. And it's like, is it sexual? Get the hell out of here. But it's not. It's just, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm eating the asparagus slow. One, one spear at a time. Right. It's going to be tough. Because when you eat asparagus, I feel like you kind of want to get through it fast. See, I, I, I like if the bite is good on an asparagus, I really like it. But I can't because I got yeah, the smell. I got, I, I got the nose thing that I can't. I can't. It's not worth it. Juice ain't worth the squeeze. So you, you don't eat asparagus. Because huh? of that piss. You know what I don't like asparagus is when they put it in like a, a, a sushi. Uh, it doesn't bother me. I just don't like it when, when it's cooked like... so much that it's soft. That bothers me. Yeah. It's got to have a little snap to it. Yeah. You have to have that. I do like it. Yeah. It's fun. It is fun to eat. I will say. And so maybe this will be kind of fun. Yeah. To like to, to trot down this path. All right. Go ahead. So you've seen this happen. I've already incorporated this in my life. If you notice, whenever I get a phone call, I always answer it facing away from myself. Just in case. Oh, wow. Yeah. Every time. Fair enough. Every time. Well, that wouldn't help in that situation. Do you, do you? What do you mean facing away from yourself? So that when the when the inevitable ex, ex bullets come out or whatever that thing shoots out, they're facing away from me because it shoots her like there's a projectile. Yeah, it does. So I, if I face it away, I live every time. It means I kill a lot of people around me, but that's their problem, right? Well, you're just hoping it never happened. This is a precaution thing. It doesn't mean your phone's booby trapped. You're just uh, going to do it. I, I, I'm important though. I, I think that people might try to booby trap my phone. Fair enough. Yeah. By the way. Is he a law-abiding a citizen? Citizen in this, or is he? Is that just not an accurate title? I think he. I think he is like for about five minutes okay. in this film, and then he's not. And lastly, but not least, you're on an island. You've been there for all these many years, gathering debris from films floating around. 
accumulating a menagerie of delights, what would you take from a law-abiding citizen? Well, like a law-breaking citizen, Nick. Yeah. LBC. Any LBC stands in this? What would I take, huh? That's a good question. There's a lot. Of, I, I feel like you have already have made up your mind on what to take. Mine's easy. I have that remote-controlled turret. And mm-hmm. I, I pilot that little son of a bitch all around the place, up and down. It's rugged. It's four-wheel drive. It can go up and down, over pebbles, through the woods, all this great shit. I got that fucker. Except mm-hmm. I have modified it. Instead of firing bullets, it fires mental health. I'm listening. Just fires mental health uh, instead of hard bullets that hurt. Okay. Still have the rocket? or no, mental health. It shoots a large, a okay. large mental health. Oh, wow. Okay. And? So nobody's rights are violated. It's a mental health problem. It's not a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I see where you're going with this. Fuck guns, by the way. We'll say it. Um, by the way, let me give a, a a surprising opinion. By far, still my favorite Gerard Butler. There's one by far that. Rain of Fire? I love that movie, but nope. I mean, 300 can't be it. It's too obvious. White House Down? He, no, he's in Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah, I can't remember. And London has fallen. Not that and, one. Not Olympus has fallen either. That's not your favorite. What is it then? I don't remember. Oh, uh, Thieves. Den of Thieves. Yep, nope, yep. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. It's not Den of Thieves. That has to be close. That has to be up there. Rain of Fire is ahead of Den of Thieves, as is Olympus has fallen. Oh shit! Really? But my favorite, and it's also my favorite film by this director, is Rock and Roller. That's your that favorite. That is my uh, favorite Guy Ritchie movie, and that's my favorite Gerard Butler film. And I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I am head over heels in love with that movie. Speaking of Leota, he was in Revolver, right? I don't know. That's my least favorite. Well, I didn't see Swept Away. I think I think Leota was in that. But yeah, Rock and Roll. Yeah, I mean, Rock and Roll is pretty good. I think it's a good one. I love it so much. It's it's everything I love about Guy Ritchie in one spot, and Gerard Butler is so 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 good in it. He's funny in it too. right? He's everything. Sexy, funny, good 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 action guy, good badass. Yeah, everything. He's everything in that. Is that available to stream? By the way, I have no idea. I bought it. I bought it as quick as I could. But everybody's good in that. Tanny Newton, Tom Wilkinson, uh, Carol Roden, Idris Elba, Tom Hardy. It's just loaded to the gills with great. It's such a good movie. Who's the young, like the rock Toby star? Toby Who's that guy? Jeremy Kevin, Piven's yeah. in it. It's it, But it is, oh, it is just an absolute delight. I have to catch up with it. I haven't seen it for it a really, long time. It's, it's, it's like a greatest hits of Guy Ritchie stuff. It, it really feels. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, it's, it's one of his least successful. I think even the gentleman, gentleman's well, more. I think Guy Ritchie has been somewhat impressive in his career and he's certainly also a screenwriter, right? Like he writes a lot of his films. Is that correct? Yeah. He's got collaborators, but yeah. But what, what's the last one he did? Gentlemen. Did you see yeah. it? It should have been better. Considering who's in it. Yeah. Colin Farrell's great. McConaughey's fine. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's quite good. It's not as rock solid as sorry. Your Island. I'm taking that 96% conviction rate to my Island for hundred uh, percent. That doesn't make sense. What do you mean? You can't take 96% hundred percent. I'm taking 96% conviction rate and 100%. That's what I'm taking. You're taking 100% of his 98% conviction rate or you're... It's 96. It got better when I said 96. it. And it did. And that's why I'm taking 100% of the 96% conviction rate. Because okay. then you start getting confused and you start to round it up to even 100. You know what I'm saying? Right. So 100% that's what I'm taking. The 96% conviction rate. That's And how will it, how will it manifest? What are you talking about? On your island. I mean, just picture me on there. Guess who, does that look like a man walking around in his ripped jeans and his uh, torn tee? It looks like he's starving. I'm shipwrecked, but baby! Weird, <laughs> but it looks like he's quite confident. Looks like a man that is quite successful. And why are those crabs on trial? You know what I'm saying? What is he doing? He's got crabs in prison. Is he not eating them? He's, they're just there and he's feeding them? Did he get it from Leslie Bibb? 
Oh my God! Is it? Did he? Did he hang a mollusk? Did they have a trial for a mollusk? You know that kind of right. thing because it's ninety six percent. And then you see me crying because a turtle. You see what happened? The mollusk was innocent. I couldn't convict the turtle. Got away with murder. You know that's one of those things. But I'm taking that ninety six percent conviction rate. Hundred. By the way, you if you have your binoculars, you could zoom over and see me. You could see me convict the turtle anytime you want, baby. I'm convicting the turtle on the regular. <laughs> Yeah, it's that 